20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Matt here, beating Colin Matub, and welcome to the Pack a Day Podcast, your favorite place to get daily Packers news and updates. And as always, if it's not your favorite, we'll make it. With me is my co-host extraordinaire, Zach Jacobson. Say hey to the people, Zach. Hello, people. We are getting closer and closer to the regular season. It is lovely, isn't it? It is so good. It feels so good. So, we mentioned getting closer and closer to the regular season and how the preseason doesn't really count and all those shenanigans. But did you notice that the the Raiders had their number one defense out there for a long, long time? Yeah, actually, they, they really did. Uh Stiff competition for the Packers' backup quarterbacks, uh, sans Tim Boyle, obviously. And I know, I know our colleague and, and podcast owner Andy is very, uh, very depressed over that. Oh yeah, he is a he is a Boyle uh, truther, <laughs> I guess we could call. Yeah, him. that's that's using using the word lightly, but yeah. <laughs> you know, um, as I mentioned before, the Acme Packing Company comment section has labeled him as Golden Boyle, and I am <laughs> I am even starting to come around to Golden Boyle. In, I think he could potentially win out over, say, Hunley. Well, I'm gonna have to stop you there. Well, number one, because Golden Boyle just sounds that sounds gross. I get the Golden Boy, you know, whole shtick behind it, but I mean, Golden Boyle just sounds like a, it sounds like 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 a cyst on your back that just needs to be popped. Well, literally, his it, last name is Boyle. Like that's, <laughs> there's not I much know, you can do with that. I, adding the golden behind it just gives it so much emphasis, and it's just, and, and two. <laughs> Too, there's there's no way he's gonna beat beat out Huntley. I mean, he, he's he's the backup quarterback, and I think he's gonna enter the season as a backup quarterback. So the the that's where I was three weeks ago, right? But mm-hmm. as much as McCarthy was like, oh boy, we put this many years into Joe Callahan, and we put this many years into Brett Huntley, and why would we sign a veteran backup? This is, this is the end of the discussion. Well, there's a new regime. And maybe McCarthy doesn't have as much say as he did in the past. And maybe the Hunley experiment is over. Maybe. But the whole difference this entering this season with Hunley is he actually has like 10 games worth of regular season tape for him to study and learn from. I mean, he's never had that advantage going into any of, any of his seasons before. You know, he's just had scarce uh, uh, preseason play. You know? Yeah, but Just I can... A few reps here and there. I can watch 10 different 30-minute clips of a dumpster fire, but that doesn't mean I'm going to become a good firefighter. Well, you can watch a dumpster fire all day, but you got to watch the guys who fight it. I mean, you never know. I'm just saying, like, like if, <laughs> if, if you want to learn what not to do from Hunley's tape, it's literally just a big circle with an X through it. <laughs> like, just don't do not do that. Now, that's, that's, that's a bit hyperbolic. Um, Hunley... So are you... Hunley did have a few good plays and all those, but you know what I mean. I mean, are you going to sit there and tell me that he hasn't played better than Kaiser? I think that preseason Hunley has always been a sight to behold, but his issues are still there. He doesn't recognize pressure and doesn't know what to do when he does magically come across it. I disagree with that. He he was bad with that last season. He was terrible with recognizing pressure and, and, and maneuvering the pocket, feeling out the pocket. As, as any average starting quarterback in the NFL should have under his belt at this point. But in these first three games, he, he's shown, albeit you know inconsistently, but he's shown glimpses of improving in that area and being able to maneuver the pocket a lot better right. and, and escape it. We're talking about a guy who's now entering his fourth, fifth season. How many seasons has he played? He's going into his fourth. 
Okay, so we're talking about a guy who, at this point, Aaron Rodgers was on his way to win an MVP. Like, <laughs> like Hunley is now learning or showing glimpses of learning basic quarterbacking. Like, what we're describing are basic things that an NFL quarterback needs. Hey, it's a step. It's Right, it's a step in the right direction. But this goes back to my Kumaro argument in that... While I love Kumaro, I think that he could be a very good wide receiver for, he is entering his fourth year in the league, and he is peaking. This is his peak. This is when most players peak at this age and with this amount of experience. And if this is the peak of Brett Hundley, and we are seeing glimpses of competent quarterback play, then those are not descriptive words I want to use for my backup quarterback. Well, one peak isn't going to be similar to another peak, especially at different positions. And especially when you consider the competition behind Hunley is Deshaun Kaiser coming from the, the aforementioned dumpster fire <laughs> that, that, that is Cleveland. Fair and he still, he still has a lot to learn. He's still learning the new offense and everything. I mean, he, he tried spiking a ball last night, and he fumbled it. Okay, So <laughs> this, guy, this guy clearly has a little ways to go. So when I, when I call Brett Hunley the backup quarterback, I mean, like he's the next best guy they have right now. That's not to say Kaiser won't unseat him down the line, you know. I mean, they traded their the best cornerback on their roster or defensive back. I mean, he should Demarius Randall should have been a safety, but that's another it's another argument. Um, they traded Randall for Kaiser, so they obviously have bigger plans for him in the future. Right now, I don't think it's any debate that Hundley is, is QB two, but that's just my spin. Fair enough. I and I I don't necessarily think that Hundley's not QB two. I'm more saying that he shouldn't be. That's fair. Um, That's fair. I, I think that if, with what we saw last season, so what we originally wanted out of Matt Flynn last time Aaron Rodgers went down was a quarterback who could win a couple games and keep him in the hunt, which they did. And Hunley uh, won, uh, I, I mean, he beat the Bears. And <laughs> actually, that that uh, uh, Steelers game was, he wasn't awful. I'll say that, that he played his game against the Steelers and, and did a really good job. Um, in fact, I oh, would, my God, that was Collinsworth. Chris Collinsworth after the game said, well, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers would have made much difference there. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> don't get me started on Chris Collinsworth, please. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was probably Brett Hundley's best game of the season. If we're being and, and it was. And, and so let's, yeah. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Let's look at, let's look at Hundley's stats here. Um, that's baseball reference. Oh, Nick Hunley. There's a, there's a baseball player named Nick Hunley. <laughs> Can he play quarterback? <laughs> I mean, uh, the Packers had a third baseman at quarterback for almost 20 years, and he went to a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, fair enough. Did, did you, so I remember reading something a long time ago saying that Brett Favre actually had a 90-plus mile-an-hour fastball playing third base. I mean, would you? Would it surprise you one bit? Absolutely not. Like, I completely believe that. <laughs> That's one of those, like, like, so they say that anytime someone asks for, like, an obscure stat about the NFL, it's usually about Brett Favre. For example, uh, Jerry Rice is the leading receiver over the age of 40. He has something like 140 catches over the age of 40. Do you know who's mm-hmm. in second place? It's Brett Favre. Brett Favre has one. What? And it was a it was a, a batted pass that he caught himself. 
Like, like so, so uh, uh, receptions over the age of forty. Brett Favre is number two with one, and it was a self-caught pass. We now take welcome. you back to your regularly scheduled <laughs> Packers. Yes. Welcome, welcome to the Pack a Day podcast. <laughs> We're just all over the place. So, uh, looking at Hunley's game at Pittsburgh, he had a sixty-five percent completion percentage. Threw for 245 yards with three touchdowns, no interceptions, and 134 passer rating. And so, even outside of the statistics, just the reads he was making, how well he got the ball out of his hands, how quick so, and precise he was. I you think know? this is one of those eye test games, right? Like where if you watch the film, he looked like he had a 100 passer rating game. Like, Correct. Because he really he threw the ball less than 30 times. He had 26 passes. Yeah, and one of those long, long touchdowns was a screenplay. Right, and we know those blow up the numbers. So absolutely, and he rushed one time for six yards. So I think that the stats are better than the film in that game, but it was still a competent game. I would call that it was that was a game that that you you would not expect that out of someone like oh god, who's like a really bad backup like Ryan Mallett. I was gonna say Brandon Whedon because I just found out. I just found out he's still in the NFL today, and he's the same age uh, same age as Aaron Rodgers. Actually. So. Uh, today, as of recording this, um, Brandon Whedon threw an interception to Sam Shields. This is correct. And <laughs> it, I just want to say it is so good to see that, just it to is, see him back back out there. There was a great article about Sam Shields a couple days ago from the L.A. Times saying that uh, Sam says the fog has lifted and that he hasn't really been able to think clearly for the last couple of years. So I am really happy for him, but I kind of wish that if the fog lifts from your potential CTE, your first thought is not to go back to playing football. It won't take much for that fog to reappear. Exactly. That's like that's that's scary to come that close to to having to be forced out of the NFL because of repetitive concussions. You know, because you, you think in long term. You know, this is this is scary. It's a scary situation for him, but he loves football. He wants to keep playing. I mean, he's a grown man, he can make his decisions. But I mean, hell, I, I I'm I'm 100 percent against that one. <laughs> it's exactly the same place that as, as I am. Uh, I love Sam Shields. I want him to succeed, but I also want him to live over the age of 50. Correct. So moving on on a lighter note, let's go back to being on brand. Let's talk about Raven Green. Yes! <laughs> this is what I'm here for. <laughs> so This is why I do this podcast. So Ross was talking about Raven Green on Twitter today. Yeah. He called, uh, didn't he say a priority practice squad uh, uh, member? He said that if... Um, if he went to a more popular college or a bigger college, he would have been... Here we go. Uh, Raven Green should be, at the very least, a practice squad priority. He's better than Whitehead. That's not hard. Uh, if he <laughs> if he played for Virginia Tech instead of JMU, he's a draft pick. I, I totally agree with that. I That's a that's a good take from Ross. I kill, still can't say his last name. Uglum? Of course you agree with that, Mr. Ugh, you played against small schools. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, think, I think quality of opponent affects how you weight game film i don't think that that's such a bad take it's not it's a great take it just i I dislike it because it concerns a player that i'm standing fair enough i think raven (laughs) green did show quite a bit he could be a decent safety but i don't think he's ever going to start if you're comparing him to someone like whitehead like ross is you're looking at a guy who hopefully contributes on special teams and can step in god forbid you're running quarters yeah, I mean Whitehead played majority uh, uh, in the slot, like like Morgan Burnett had to do a few times in the wake of injury at cornerback. Uh, I think in 2016, 
uh, Jermaine Whitehead had to do uh, a similar role. So that's something probably Raven Green can do. I don't know if he could function in the slot to that capability, but I mean, up to this point through three preseason games, you know, he has a forced fumble on his resume, a few tackles. He's been able to fly over the field a little bit. Uh, you know, this is a guy that could maybe sneak onto the roster. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a possibility. The, the Packers really <laughs> like carrying a ton of defensive backs, even if it's just for special yeah. teams. Like, um, with Jeff Janis gone, they will most likely carry six wide receivers instead of seven and use that extra spot as a DB who plays special teams. I'm still holding on to the belief that they keep seven. So, I mean, if they keep seven, who are your seven? So, we, obviously, we would say uh, Cobb and Adam, Adams. Adam, Adams, Cobb, Allison. Those are the pretty much the three that are locked in. Um, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown. He didn't, you know, neither of those two guys, uh, MVS and ESB, neither of them showed anything last night. No, I don't think either, really. of them, either of them had a catch. And so, uh, Jamon Moore definitely stepped up his game and learned how to catch the ball. Oh, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll tackle that in a minute. we got to talk about that for sure. So um, that's six. We are now sitting at six. Now tell me. This is, tell this me, is where it gets tricky. Zachariah yeah. Alfred Jacobson. Alfred. That's, <laughs> who is your seventh receiver? My seventh receiver <laughs> for the 2018 Green Bay Packers opening day roster is Trevor Davis. Oh, that's a spicy. <laughs> Oof, that burn coming off my lips. Now Oof. you have, I'm not going to, it's not fair to call you a Davis stan, but you've been one of the few people throughout Packers Twitter to not constantly crap on the kid. Because he is, like, I, I get it. People are, people are still shell-shocked. They have PTSD from last season, just from him, the, the poor decisions he made on punt returns and letting balls go uh, um, down inside the 10 and, calling fair catches inside the 10 and even on a few rare occasions inside the five but it only happened 10 times and four of those times were like warranted like if he let the ball bounce then the, the opposing gunners were going to down the ball even deeper in the in the Packers own territory than than they would have if he just called a fair catch when they right. did so he so he saved a few yards I just so love how you're like it only happened 10 times. Like, if, if you were scolding someone <laughs> for doing something stupid, and you were like, oh, it only happened 10 times, like, that's not an acceptable answer. Oh, this oh this guy's on trial for murder? Oh, well, he only killed 20 people. That's right, exactly. Like, like, he only went on 10 <laughs> killing sprees. But <laughs> it's just, it's, but, so, but, do you but, think, you do know, you think it, Davis, it, as the returner, is going to c- cement his, his spot as the seventh receiver? Well, I'll just say he has to play in the fourth preseason game because if he doesn't, I think his spot is definitely in danger. But right now, there hasn't really been anybody that has unseated him. Except they for struck- last night. Holy crap, Jair Alexander at punt returner was transcendent. How do you figure? Because he showed intelligence in fair catching that Davis missed out on. So when Jair... Uh, instead of calling a fair catch on that first punt that he went to return, just decided to body the gunner and, and make sure that there wasn't someone there to down he the ball. got a flag, on yeah. No, he, yeah. no, this, so that was before. That was, that was so early well, on. That, that was he, his first one, wasn't it? I remember his first. But so twice he, he bodied the, the gunner, and the first time was to keep him from getting to the ball so it could roll into the end zone. Then the second time he called a fair catch and then, like, leaned into the returner and, like, did a soccer dive. And pretended yeah. to be hit, trying to draw a flag. Um, the announcers thought it did, but it ended up not. I think it was for something else, or they picked it up. Oh, but, okay. but yeah, so that was 
I saw that. I was just like, Mwah. I was just beautiful. <laughs> like, like, hey, here comes one of the best gunners in football coming to try and down the ball on the one. Boink. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was all right, I guess. I'll give him some credit there. And also, uh, Jair testing athletically similarly or better to Davis um, in terms of acceleration and top speed and lateral quickness. Also, I would like to see a smaller person returning punts. And I think Jair over Davis gives me that. I it's just a it's just a bias that I have. I like smaller bodied punt returners. I'm gonna tell you right now, Matub. The Packers don't care what you or I want. I I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. And actually, I was the one that was just telling you the other day how good Davis is as a punt returner in Madden. You were telling me that actually. You did. You did tell me that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, Davis. He's statistically he was one of the best punt returners in football last season. Correct by the numbers. Rule out those mental mistakes. If he gets that figured out, he could be absolutely damn dangerous. And if you have a special teams player, specifically a punt returner that can completely tilt the field and play on special teams as a gunner, which Davis can do, then he he's multifaceted. He can, he can play in multiple spots, and he has worth to this roster. And I think he's worthy of keeping as a seventh receiver. Fair enough. Uh, I think the Packers keep six. I don't think that I, – I agree with your first six. I don't think that Davis makes it mostly because he's been injured and they've been trying out just about everyone else at, at punt returner. Yeah, this um, hamstring injury is really setting him back. Like it's not doing him any favors at all. Right. I mean, hamstrings are tough, man. That's not an injury you can just get over. Yeah. No, not at all. So there's actually uh, – to have a little bit more of an intelligent take i'm going to recommend a book oh, a book <laughs> there's a there's a, a former tight end he was a wide receiver turned tight end by the name of nate jackson played for the 49ers and the broncos mm-hmm. until jay cutler almost got him killed on a pass over the middle and ended his career um actually that didn't end his career he tore his hamstring and that ended his career but jay cutler almost killed him i just wanted to bring that up Nate has this phenomenal, phenomenal book called Slow Getting Up. It is about life at the bottom of the roster, like doing what you can to make the roster, knowing that you are the 46th-plus guy on the roster. And he talks about hamstring injuries just being the worst. And the big question going around the locker rooms is, are you hurt or are you injured? And he said hamstring injuries a lot of the time, you can play through them, and it just hurts a lot, but you're only running at about 90%. And so if you are at a position like punt returner that relies heavily on your athleticism and you can't technician your way around a lot of stuff, it's better to just wait. I think that's a good reason why the Packers are just always taking it slow with these hamstring injuries because that medical staff knows exactly how severe those can be and how how easy it is to kind of re-aggravate and just make them so much worse. That's probably that's why Aaron Jones was out for so long. Absolutely. I mean, the we're, we're the we're fans of the Pack IRs, right? Hamstring injuries and neck injuries are the two killers of the team. I don't know. I think the I think the Charge IRs deserve oh my a God. little more right the now. Char- <laughs> I don't know who the Chargers didn't sacrifice a goat to, or if like their owner pissed off a gypsy. Like something <laughs> happens. <laughs> Someone that. in that organization did something terrible in a past life. Like they must assign Stanley Yelnats, and he forgot to bring Madame Zeroni to the top of the mountain to drink from the well. <laughs> is that is that a reference too old for 
also, but also too young. For, 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 for most of our viewers, more than likely. It's Holes is a, is a young adult book. Read it. It's good. It's also a I movie. Love Holes. It's a movie starring Shia LaBeouf. Well, Zach, we literally had like two or three other topics we wanted to get to, but we are running out of time. We still have time to talk about the offensive line and how bad it was we, and how we, okay. sli- slightly good it was. So I really wanted to do a deep dive on, on the improvement of Jason Spriggs to bring up Ross again. He was talking about uh, Spriggs on Twitter today. The Packers have a very special pass-blocking technique that people refer to as the Packers hug. I would love to go into depth on that, but that is literally a 10-minute topic just for me to explain the concept. But just saying Spriggs has finally learned some of the techniques to handle speed rushers, but for some reason the the strength is not there, and Kyle Murphy just isn't there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, Murphy just isn't there at all. I mean, Spriggs is present, but I I don't think Murphy is is there, if if you get what I mean. he's, He's just, yeah. Spriggs is a speed bump, and Murphy is a yield sign. <laughs> That's perfect. I think that if if we're going for, like, real life. But we do have time to mention one last thing, and that is the Packaday Podcast Twitter is giving away a gorgeous print of Lambeau Field that was created by writing the names of every Packer ever. That's 600. It's 1,686 names are handwritten in different colors to create a picture of Lambeau Field. It is gorgeous. Yeah, Daniel Duffy, uh, his Twitter handle is Real Art of Words. He did an incredible job on that. And, and, I mean, I can barely – this is coming from a guy that can barely draw stick figures, so really anything would amaze me, you know. But this picture, this this portrait is just – it's crazy. It's one of the best things I've ever seen. And the attention to detail to to accomplish something like this just blows my freaking mind. So – if, if you want that, if you want your hands on that, then what's up? Well, so you, you go to uh, Twitter and check out Pack-A-Day Podcast. That's at Pack-A-Day Podcast, all one word. Go ahead and find the tweet, retweet it, and follow the Twitter, and you will automatically be entered. to. Yeah, we will announce the winner uh, next week uh, during halftime of the final preseason game. So you have until Thursday this coming week. You want your hands on that portrait, then you better get to retweeting. And speaking of next week, Zach, this is ah yes 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 yes. So next week, we on the Pack a Day podcast, Matub and I, we have a special guest joining us. We're not going to give you any details yet because that'll kind of ruin the surprise. But just know it is a special guest. But I will give away one hint. He is a very special former player for the Packers. So. Woo. Woof. Keep your eyes open. He'll be joining us next week, uh, next Sunday, when you'll be listening to it on the Pack a Day podcast, and we are extremely, extremely excited to have him join us. So, so be I'm to... like, I'm nervous to, yeah. to jinx it. Like, <laughs> I'm Matub, Matub's shaking right now. I'm, I'm, I'm quite literally shaking. All right, guys, that'll he do talk, for... He can talk about the Packer hug with us. I can. T- he, you know what? I wonder if he ever had to learn it. That's a good question. Really good question to ask him. Wow. Oh, oh well, okay. Well, wait, 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 don't give away too much. It's not Jerry Kramer. Okay, I'm just going to say it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, guys, that should do it for us this week. As always, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. 
And I'm Zach, and I still don't have a catchphrase, but I promise I'm working on it. <laughs> and this is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Make sure to follow us on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or check us out on Cheesehead TV. Follow the at Pack-A-Day Podcast on Twitter. Follow me. I am at Matub. Follow Zach. He is at Zach A. Jacobson. Whew, that yes. There's a lot of <laughs> a lot of words. That was, Good job. That was, that I was should really do good. those disclaimers at the end of uh, radio commercials. Oh, the, the, the uh, we're not responsible for this. Yes, <laughs> basically that. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm rambling again. Have a great day. Go pack. Go. Shotgun formation of third and 15 to the 46-yard line of Dallas. They empty the shotgun. Cobb in motion to the left side. Rodgers looks it over, gets the snap. Backpedals now under some pressure. Steps up, throws it over the middle. Cobb's 30, 20.